space, the final frontier. <laughs> These are the voyages of starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Ahoy, hoy. And we're back to talk about more Picard. More, more good Picard as well. Um, fly me to the moon this episode. But before that, Elliot's got some Trek news for us. Well, well, yeah, we've had... Um, is, I think it's nine trailers this week. <laughs> The Strange New Worlds, and I think it's been great because we've had eight of them have been character introductions. Nothing nothing spoilerish, just who they are, what they do, a little bit of personality about them, and it's been great. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I say I've been avoiding them, so I was like, oh, that seems a lot of trailers. Um, You know, I didn't want to spoil myself, but you say they're not. Then they don't give it's, away. It's very little. It's like a flash trailer with little clips of of the person in question. Right. So you just get like like Elliot says a little flavor of their personality, which is really yeah. interesting. Like the only thing, was... the only one I slightly rubbed up against is the uh, not in a rude way is the Nurse Chapel one, uh, just because like she seems very very spunky compared to the character we met. But I know she wasn't very fle- well fleshed out, of course. Is this before she breaks up with Roger Corby, though? Maybe maybe that upset her. Maybe, I don't okay. know. But yeah, yeah, she seemed very impish, and I'm like, there was really nothing in the portrayal mm. anywhere which suggests this, but eh, it is what it is. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I mean, no, she but, had... but again, they didn't write very well, for, like even Star Trek, which I think is a high bar for women even in the 60s. Yeah. Compared to today's standards, the writing wasn't the best and they were limited by what the network I mean, would allow. She was sort of overtly flirty with Spock, which at the time, that's, wait a minute, this yeah. woman's trying to make it known she's interested in someone. How dare she? You know, so in her own way, she was quite... I mean, in the trailer, they do kind of hint at that without, again, without any spoilers. There's just a couple of moments with her and Spock. We're going, oh, well, that looks like maybe they're picking mm-hmm. up on that thing. And yeah, that'd be interesting. I do think it's great that we've got two different actresses playing two different characters that were both played by Majel Barrett in the original. I think that's just brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. There we go. So, yeah, um, Elliot, you what? were saying it's. It it's sort of the opposite of discovery, really, because we is, you know we've talked a lot I've about had, we don't know these characters. I've had thirty seconds of these characters, and I feel like I know more know them better than some of the discovery crew after <laughs> four seasons. <laughs> I yep. mean, could you fill a thirty second trailer? Let let let's imagine if they went, "This is Bryce," and did a a trailer for Bryce for Discovery. Would I'm going to climb a mountain. That's about all I've got as a personality. I think you'd struggle with some of them. I think you'd massively yeah. struggle. Race. I, I think with all of them, you just get the clips from when they were all going, it's like, well, this is what I'm going to do when I get home. Or, hey, this is why this matters to me right now. <laughs> like, you know, there's one yeah. scene where they all say a pithy line about what they're going to do yeah. when they get out of this mess. And they've got a couple of those in Discovery. You'd just be able to pick out lines from that. Yeah, you, pro- you can probably it. do 30 seconds for each one. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. But it is, it's like, we, was, we were talking earlier, me and James, and it's very much like what you used to get before Voyager or DS9 started. Mm-hmm. There'd be magazine ad, yeah. big spreads, and it'd tell you about the characters before the show started. It'd introduce you to them. Yeah, I remember. It's, it's very much a modern way of doing that. Yeah. Like the... I mean, all of them seem... Oh, sorry, Jim. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, all of them seem really interesting. But, like, the Doctor, particularly in the trailer, just sound like... Oh, he sound like someone's kind of dad-slash-granddad, kind of, like, very homely, very... Like, you just warm to these characters. Mm-hmm. Again, these are just really well put together. 30 seconds, no spoilers. You're just getting a feeling of their personality, which... Yeah. It's just lovely. It's really... It's just, like... It's it's making me look forward to the series. That's what I was going to say. Like it, it is really looking like being everything that everybody's kind of hoped it's going to be. Yeah, (laughs) 
Um, so anyway, fingers crossed. And yeah, if this delivers and the finale of Picard delivers, that could be like the best Star Trek day ever because we get them two on the same day. Oh, no. That's going to be amazing. And also, kind of, look, there was a bit more of uh, Pike action in, these, in yeah. the first trailer. And just, I love the fact that in a really weird way, he seems like everyone's favorite boss that you've ever had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and I just love yeah. that. The real fun boss that you always have a laugh with. Yeah. He, yeah he's sort great. of like like what David Brent thought he was, but wasn't, <laughs> you know, that's, that, that Pike is actually that. And I don't, I don't know why. It's like with the other captains, I think they're all, all great, obviously, from all the Star Treks, but it's just the first time I've really felt like I could imagine working for him. Like, I don't know why. It just creates that it's feeling just of like got, a really fun boss in the office. It's just got that thing, and I don't know how much of it's the writing and how much of it's just Anson Mount's natural charisma, but he brought that to Discovery as soon as he arrived in season yeah. two. He, he put everyone at ease, and as a viewer, you were like, right, this is going to be good. You know, it. Yeah. there's something about the guy, and that's obviously why they've given him his own series. You know, I don't... I genuinely don't think they planned on that when they cast him for season two of Discovery. I don't think at that point Strange New Worlds was planned at all. No, I but think... then he was, he was just so popular. And yeah, that was it. Charismatic the... in the role, it was, no, you've got to... <laughs> yeah, that was it. It's okay. The, it's... They have literally listened to the fans with this. Yeah. yeah. They're giving us what we want. Michelle Yeoh's he... probably pissed off. Like, you know, I had a series lined up, but then this guy comes <laughs> in and... <laughs> Even when you get back to the kind of the classic two captains, like the the uh, the Kirk and the Picard of it all. So Kirk, you've got this kind of obviously the the show was all about him. Like his he was the mission as mm. far like especially in Shatton's head. Let's face it. <laughs> With Picard, he was great at kind of like he saw the mission, but like not necessarily he wasn't a people person. He had to grow in that way. Cisco, mm-hmm. uh, he was more kind of bred for war and kind of perfect uh, tactician for that. All these characters, all great, but just this is the first one where I go, hey, yeah, I'd love to work for him. It'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, no, it's going to be, I mean, yeah. fingers crossed. Looking forward to it. May the 50s ought to everything. be good yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about Picard then. So we're, we're at the halfway mark now, and yeah, this is turning out to be one of the best seasons, certainly of New Trek, possibly of Star Trek, Full stop. Yeah, it's like this is probably the weakest episode of the series season so far, and it's very obviously a mid-season episode. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's not a good episode. Still, no, the keeping yeah. the keeping that pace up, the keeping the interest, yeah, and then like I'm loving how they're peppering in these cliffhangers at the end of every episode, like. It, yeah, it's, it's done so well. It is more your classic sort of serial cliffhangers that we used to get rather than, yeah. you know, most episodes of Discovery finish on a cliffhanger of one form or another. But these ones, it's literally like we're stopping mid-scene so that you're desperate for the next no, one. Let's, yeah. No, let's be fair. Last season of Discovery sort of they finished doing one thing and the cliffhanger was, we've got to go do another yes. thing. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with this, with this episode particularly, like I, I'm, I'm the same as earlier with this one. I think, especially the first half, it felt a little bit disjointed. I was still having a good time with it, but mm. then this one was more about the payoffs in this episode. I felt than the episode itself. It's like yeah. it led you to somewhere really interesting. It was but along the way. It was a bit felt a bit muddled near the beginning for me. Yeah, it I was. Think it had, I think it's it's a mid-season episode. And it had a lot to do. It had to sort of bring where the story had gone and then lining us up for what's going to happen for the rest yeah, of the season. Yeah, it had to introduce new characters. It had to wrap up Rios's predicament, which didn't take long. Uh, and it had to have a lot of exposition, which they delivered a lot better. Like, if we go back to season one of Picard, I think it was episode eight, was basically just them all sat on a ship talking about what's been happening because we needed that much filling in by that point that you just had to have a really slow episode where we just literally spell out the story. Whereas we've been doing it as we go along here and when you do get the exposition, it's done in a much more interesting way 
because you've got this new character, Talon, so it's not Laris, it's Talon, which presumably we're going to loop back to and explore the reasons why she looks like Laris, because they... Yeah, there's got to be a reason. They do sort of lampshade that within the episode, where you've got that brilliant bit where Raffi's going, well, have you not known? And Pigaz is going, yes... Isn't it weird? Yes. So I thought that was really good. I love the phrase lampshading. That's a new one on me. Lampshading. Yeah, yeah. It's when you lampshade it. Yeah, when you draw attention to a particular trope, you you lampshade it. I've not heard that one. There you go. Get on TV tropes, mate. That will. I think I've I've heard put put a put a hat on it. Yeah, it's a similar sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, go go to TV tropes and that that will do you for about three days. You'll just fall down a rabbit hole of all these terms. And... <laughs> I mean, through through a much wasted youth, I'm usually pretty good on these TV tropes because God yeah. knows I wasn't spending the time with girls when I was younger. But like, I've missed this one apparently. There you go. Maybe a girl walked past the window at the time. I will send you a link to to lamp shading and you can read about it to your heart's content. Oh god, yeah, send me a link. I'm not going to Google it. It could come up with something else as well. Yeah, oh yeah, it could be somewhat dirty. I don't know quite what it'd be, but yeah, okay. We'll have a think about that. Send in your answers. What is Dr. Squee's mind thinking of when we say lampshading? My, my mind isn't thinking of anything. It I just know if you Google is. any given term like lampshading, it'll have a rude version. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it probably will. But yeah, send the answers on a postcard. What is the rude version of yeah, lampshading? You know what am I thinking? God bless Okay. Me. So, yeah. What what is the rude version? Definitely not something Dr. Squeeze thinking of, honest. Let us know. Well, well you see now you've added that it sounds like you think I am thinking. Oh, I, I wouldn't, I, I I just... wouldn't make it sound like I think that. Anyway, I will send you the link. I will send you the clean link. Um so yeah, so we meet Rene Picard then. Now, Picard did mention her, didn't he, in his big speech in the first episode when he addressed the academy. He said I stand here as the last of the Picards, and my ancestors have done this, this, and this. And one of them was René Picard. And so, again, it's going back to that first episode. We talked about at the time how much groundwork it was laying. Yeah. And this is one that we didn't even pick up on at the time. But, but, yeah, they've done it again, so... And I love all these little little things we've got to pick up. And so we've got René Picard over here. We've got um, the data ancestor over here and we've got all these kind of little threads all leaning into the um can you hear me still yeah we can hear yeah. you yeah, explain that a little bit. um yeah so i just love the fact that whatever q's planning it isn't just one thing there's a few threads to it no and there's obviously going to be something on. overarching yeah it's interesting and it it's making me wonder at this stage like is Q just doing this to mess humanity up, or is this something much more personal to Picard? Is that why he's picked one of Picard's ancestors, and what's happened to the timeline is just a byproduct of that? Or, I don't know. Or... Hey, wouldn't this be cool? What if it somehow linked back to why he chose Picard? What if we got some sort of like, uh, thing that it had to be Jean-Luc that he uh, that in, right off back first. in the in the beginning? Yeah, why was it the Enterprise D? Why why it was Picard? Uh, it was the it first could one. be oh, that would be great. Yeah, that I would, would love be really that. interesting. Yeah, um, it, well, they have said that they had to talk Q into why to it, John Delancey into why to come back. I mean. Surely, just reading the script, they've given him so much to chew on yeah. here, and they've given him so many different facets of Q to play. Like he's he's got to do really nasty Q, he's got to do scary Q, he's got to do fun Q, and we're only halfway through the season, you know. Yeah, and isn't it great? It really feels like that whole thing of like, and there's dress up in this episode. He's get dressed to dress up as the uh, therapist, which yeah. I really liked. And I just, I think it's. It doesn't feel out of keeping with anything we've seen of Q before. It seems to feel so in keeping, but a modern version, a slightly better drawn out, because yeah. nowadays they're better at drawing out characters. They just simply are. The way they yeah. just are rounded human characters in general on TV is so much better. And this is a great example. It's just a, a slightly grown up version of that same character. It, it, it doesn't feel out of place at all. No, it definitely is. It's, it's really interesting. And I'm still waiting for like, the other shoe to drop, like what exactly has he done, and more importantly, why has he done it? But yeah, I'm confident we're going to well, get that. I think I think we know what what he 
what what he's done is he's stopped Rennie going on the flight. That seems to be it. Is, yeah. And I think we know what he's done now. But it's it's the why he's done it. Mm. And it, has he done it to help Picard? Because if this was all like like he said, penance for Picard or punishment for Picard. Why would he yank them out of the other timeline and why would he let him have the rest of his crew to help him? You know, he clearly wants him to succeed on some level. But yet he's he's actively trying to stop it here. What an interesting way of doing it. There's something wrong with Q as well. Mm. And what an interesting way of doing it as opposed to coming, um, like, you know, like he did on DS9 where he put um, uh, Bashir to sleep just to get him out of the way. This time he's done his work. He's he's gone into therapy with the person yeah, he wants to yeah. screw with to really <laughs> fuck with their mind. That's the cue I want. I don't want him just going, yeah, you're yeah. a bit sleepy. Like, no, I really want to fuck with your head. That, well, he can't do that, can he? Because his powers are waning, as we saw last week. So that yeah, this is... It's not but isn't this wrong? Oh, yeah, this is plan B. <laughs> this is... I've not, I can't just snap my finger, so I'm going to become a therapist and... But he obviously can do bits and pieces of stuff. Yeah, I mean... Because yeah. he's been able to put himself into the position of being the therapist. That's true, yeah. So maybe he can... He's I got, think it's sort of... It's maybe sort of intermittent, his powers. Yeah, he's got powers of illusion, but not powers of mind control or something at the moment. When he was talking to Brent Spiner as well, that moment where it was just... I genuinely believed on some level Q was concerned because he said, like, no, I'm very interested. I'm very concerned in what you're you're doing. It reminded me a lot of the scene from Star Trek um, Generations where you got Soren talking to Picard and they're looking at each other in the eye and they mm. talk about time and it being predator. Yeah. And it's just such an intense scene. And this reminded me of that. Like it's, it's really wonderful to see John Delancey also being given these opportunities to really show what a wonderful actor he's yeah, always been. Cause you know, he was always great as cute, but they didn't always give him the best opportunities to do that really kind of, uh, Deep moody acting. Likewise, Brent Spiner as well, which not not to knock anything with the way he's played Data, but nope. or Law or any of the other ones. But like last time we saw him uh, at the end of Picard, he was just basically playing Doctor Noonie and Soong again. Um, but now we're getting him playing a nastier version. It's like if you had a spectrum well, of we're them. We're getting him playing. Uh, I'm trying to think which one it was who. Enterprise. Oh, there was Auric soon from Enterprise, but I think this guy's got a nastier streak even than him. I well, think this I think guy's this is way sort of like, over on the spectrum. And with him working in the genetics and all that, it's sort of it's, like obviously where that's come from. Yeah, it, there was definitely a progression, like wasn't there? You can see, you can, this is like the start of the work that even Doctor Sung did. Union <laughs> Sung. Yeah, and I just want to say I called it. Issa Briones as his daughter. I said that was yeah. going to happen, so thank you, thank you. I'm not sure what I'll win, but there you go. Um, <laughs> this and one of the things they're saying is that um, this is the girl that Data was painting. It could well his be, dream. yeah. That, Data's dream. It was his ultimate grandmother. Yeah, that nice. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense that if. She's part of the Sung genetic code or whatever that it would be somehow implanted in his memories. So yeah, because he did get also, Doctor Sung's memories, didn't he? Data, he got all the all yeah, the people from the colonies. The, I don't think he got Doctor Sung's today. Did he not? I can't remember now. They sort I think Law Law pinched some of the memories which were meant to go to him. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They He's only got the dream program unlocked. Yeah, they sort of dropped the whole data's got hundreds of people's memories thing. That was sort of, they made a big hoo ha about it in season one, and then it would just kind of yeah, no, forget yeah. About that. maybe not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I also um, what was I going to say? Something about Prince Spiner. Oh, well, that one's gone. Sorry. Much Probably. like Independence Day three, that oh. it was going to be in. No, that's what I was going to say. I did love the fact that uh, when they were saying about. Um, oh god, have I forgotten what I was going to say again? This is not good tonight. Oh yeah, that was it. When when you're saying about the dreams and uh, the the uh, when he painted the woman mm-hmm. and is this person that now? Some of these like it, if it was another series of Star Trek, I would go, oh look, that fits and it's really nice. But I don't think the writers thought of it. 
I think anything you pick up from from this series, I think the writers thought of. I think they've oh, done yeah. such a good job of oh, trying to pick up little elements and fit be. them perfectly so none feel forced as well. This That's is the other possibly thing. one of the best written series. Yeah. Yeah. And um, not just Star Trek. I mean, anything that's going in a series when they've this sort of thing where and they've really thought about the story. Yeah. And and you know, in a in a lesser series, look, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say it, in Enterprise, for instance. If they want to do something like that, they go, it's like, ah, and maybe one day my grandson who's an android will paint me. You know, they, they would yes. they would shoot yeah, on yeah. a reference to what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Whereas this, I think it's so effortless. Look, look, here's the reference. If you get it brilliant, like we're going to even do this really intelligent thing whereby because the timeline's altered, Guinan doesn't remember meeting Picard in the past because he hasn't met her, him in the future. But we're not going to signpost that. We're just going to leave mm-hmm. you to work that out unless you have yeah. to read an interview with us because we're going to trust you as an audience. And we know that you'll ask questions and then someone else in the audience will have thought of what yeah. we thought of and they'll answer it for you or read that interview. Yeah, it it's is very so clever. clever <laughs> and it's so respectful to the audience. And like the the pulls it's making from Star Trek history, like the, you know, we talked about it last week and we get confirmation here that Talon is of the same organization yeah, shall we was, say as gary seven yeah, nailed it and yeah you know, if someone <laughs> and the cat free abortions i told you there you no, go no, sorry they haven't introduced that they haven't brought the cat in yet but that's, they may that's do next episode. Yeah. um but the careful we've talked about cap uh cap free abortions laney might throw up again in a yeah, minute yeah laney might throw <laughs> up again sorry laney that one was just for you <laughs> and what was i saying Yes, the, if someone had sat you down at the start of this season and said, oh, by episode four and five, we're going to have callbacks to Gary Seven and it's not going <laughs> to feel stupid, you'd go, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No one Yeah, would've... I would have gone, fair enough, they are going to have callbacks to Gary Seven. Yeah, I'll believe it, that. The like, fact that it's not stupid, I'm not believing it. After the thing months. is, this, this works. As a callback to Gary Seven, this works. Mm. And it fits in. Yeah, it does, and it's great. It fits in. But when, when Discovery last season, season three, brought in the... Um, the Guardian of Forever. Um, Guardian yeah. of Forever. That could have been anything. Because we were speculating yes. about loads of different yes. things. Yes, yeah, true. And it was like it was there just to have it there. Yes. Mm. It wasn't and necessary. You- and and, well, and this it actually very, works. Yeah, it was very tenuous the way they did it. So in the past, the Guardian of Forever has just sent you back in time to a thing. Yeah. Now he's suddenly he's going to alternate realities and he's doing yeah. this and the other. Like you say, Elliot, at the time, I didn't even question it because I thought, oh, great, they're doing Guardian of Forever. That's brilliant. Now seeing this done so well, I'm like, yeah, actually, that was a bit shoehorn. That wasn't yeah. as good yeah. as I thought it was because this has done so well. Yeah. It's it, put it, it to shame a bit. It's like even with the punk last week, we we all know it was just a nice little Easter egg nod. But we, we've come up with a theory as well why that works and fits in with the times altered because he, yeah. he's got the sore neck from it. Yeah, no, it's it's been so much fun. I'm um, still saying evil Spock from that timeline, did I'm still no, saying Kirk General Kirk, <laughs> Kirk Foo. Look, we're, we're not going to agree on this. We've accepted it. <laughs> but also, speaking of the Gary Seven of it all, I just... Again, who was calling out for a Gavin Se- Gary Seven cameo? Who was saying yeah, that's what nobody. we really need? Oh, I, the we're, only thing—the only thing in that that which I didn't, which felt a little, just a little bit forced, but it works for the plot, and I understand why they did it. It was just when um, Picard liked that one, going, "Oh yes, I remember Kirk ran into a Gary Seven, like just like <laughs> that." That comes to his yeah. mind. It's like, Okay, I'm sure you did study the original, yeah, like, you know... Yeah, it was so quiet it's got time travel. I th- would have thought it might just take t- a minute. Yeah, but, but it, Picard's had his run-ins with time travel as well. So it's maybe something he has looked into. His I know, but such a specific reference with... to get so quickly. That's yeah. a little bit convenient. Again, I will allow it. And, and as you say, there are reasons why he might have done time travel research. But it did seem very convenient. Let's Do you reckon, like, you know, um, they always say Kirk's missions were required reading in the Academy. Do yeah. you reckon they're a bit like us and they're like, oh, you know, term one's great when we study the first year of Kirk's mission and term two's really good. 
Term three, oh, it's a bit boring. That's when you <laughs> yeah, get silly it's a bit stuff. Hit and miss. That's when you get <laughs> yeah. stuff like Spock's brain and all sorts like that. You know, that is yeah, such a boring. Yeah, by now they were just making up their logs, weren't they? Spock mm. had his brain removed and hooked into a city. Oh, yeah. come on. Look, I know we've dealt with time travel, but this is ridiculous. Well, you know, if this were a TV programme, they'd cancel it. That's what people <laughs> at Starfleet Academy say. Yeah, what happened to the other two years in the mission? Never mind. No, it's well, not important we, right now. We, we've got this animated we've got the one if you want to watch this. So we yeah. have four of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, video quality. Uh, we, we we lost a lot of video footage, so we've re uh, re. Yeah. Well, it's it with like animation. the old, well, like speaking, the missing Doctor Who. We did get a second season of the animated series. Yeah, technically, we only only a few episodes. Yeah. So. Um, I suppose technically we have got five years of the movie. Technically, there are five seasons covering the the original. Yeah. Um, okay, so bit of the bits we've not talked about yet. Uh, rescuing Rios. There's not much to it, really. I was hoping it'd go all fast and furious, and they'd be in fact, I'm amazed no one's done a mashup video. So I'm sure, as I am, you two are aficionados of the Fast and Furious series, and you'll recall yep. the the end of Fast and Furious Four, which is confusingly titled Fast and Furious. Um, oh, Big Daddy Vin's on a coach, and he's going to jail, and then it, the Fast and Furious or Fast and Furious Four finishes with. Than the the rest of the guys in cars speeding up to the bus about to rescue him, and I'm amazed no one's done a mashup of Raffi and Seven looking at the bus, going, "How do we rescue him?" And then these Lamborghinis. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, we don't get that. Um, but they they do rescue him in pretty short order, and the the only sort of really notable thing is Raffi has this sort of flash of Elnor. Which means this this is the first episode since the premiere, I think, where we've had the whole cast in it, albeit... Oh, no, uh, episode no, two, episode. sorry. Yes, second episode, yeah, you're right. Do you, do you know what? I was trying to concentrate on what you were saying, and I did. Oh, I did listen. However, man, you started me on the Fast and Furious titles. They pissed me off no end. So you've got Fast and the Furious, too fast, No, 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 no. No, no, you've got it wrong straight away. The first one... Okay, Drift... The first one is The Fast, the fast and, the, and furious. the Furious. Sorry. And then Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Yes. Fast 4? No. And fast and Furious is 4. And then Fast 5, is it? Fast 5 or... And then you got Furious later, Furious no, 6 no, no, no. later. No, oh, it's dead easy. Right, so... <laughs> the, the fifth one in the yeah. American market was called Fast 5. In the UK market, it was called Fast and Furious colon Rio Heist. Rio Heist? I never even yeah. heard that. That's what it's called. The sixth one is called Furious 6 in America, but it's called Fast and Furious 6 over here. The right. seventh one is called Furious 7 in America, but it's called Fast and Furious 7 over here. The eighth one is called The Fate of the Furious in America, yes. but Fast and Furious 8 over here. No, it's called The Fate of the Furious. I saw it in the no, cinema. No, it's, it's called not. The Fate it's of the not. It's it was called, bloody called that in the cinema when I saw Fast it. And, well, you must have seen a knockoff because that is not what it's called here. <laughs> I swear half these uh, British shows you're saying, Brit, I, I never saw, I went to see these all with you, my son because he was into them. And after check, a certain number, I've seen them all with You them. check the British Board of Film Classification website. It was anyway. called... Fast and Furious 8 here. Fast oh, and Furious going. 9 is called Fast and Furious 9 here, but just called F9 in America. And yep. hopefully the 10th one will be called Fast 10, your seatbelts. And if it's well, not, I, they've missed a trick. I, I see someone's not a fan of Hobson Shaw then, obviously. Uh, well, yeah, well, we weren't talking about the naming convention. That, that, that is called Fast and Furious <laughs> Presents Hobson Shaw. Thank you. But do you know what? I, I came up with a system and, and I like to remind my son of this all the time because it winds him up a bit. He's, he, I think he's learned to, to find it funny or embarrassing or something. But my idea was this. We, we simplify this whole problematic naming convention of the Fast mm -hmm. and the Furious. So you just have the Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, and then you go Three Fast, Three Furious, mm -hmm. Four yeah, Fast, Four work. Furious, Five Fast, Five Furious, Six Fast, Six Furious, Seven Fast, Seven Furious, Eight Fast, Eight Furious. Uh, fast and Furious presents Hobson Shaw. You can keep that one. Yeah. Nine Fast, Nine Furious. And then Ten Fast, Ten Furious, your seatbelt coming up. Yeah. 
Now, the, the, we are at risk of going on a tangent here, but... I don't see that. But we, we've we've only talked about the titles. We've not talked about the timeline of the Fast and Furious films. Oh, God, that's a complete mess. So it goes one, two, four, five, six, half of seven, three, yep. the other half of seven, eight, and Hobbs and Shaw's in there somewhere. Oh, also, nine. there's a the post-credit from... Six. Oh, the There's a post credit at the end of one of the films which shows what happens in Tokyo Drift. Oh yeah, that's the last yes, there is. Yeah. yeah, that's that the, little bit as well. That's the post credits of six. Um, yes. Yeah. Why do we know so much about these films? Anyway, um, we coming soon. Retrek does Fast and Furious. We'll do a. <laughs> We'll oh, do, I would be fucking in, by the way. Yeah, we, we will do a podcast on each of the Fast and Furious films. That'll be... Well, I pre-record them and we'll put them out, like, uh, between weeks of Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll be very oddly titled. It'll be uh, Too Re, Too Trek. <laughs> oh, and, oh that, no, that's the name of the podcast. Yeah, Too to Re, Too Trek, too yeah. Too there, there you go. And Co- coming... episode's got to be, like, Too Fast, Too Furious, Three Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. That's, that's my only condition for doing it. Yeah, coming soon to a podcast feed near you, whether you want it or not. The Fast <laughs> and Furious. Um, anyway, back to Star Trek, however briefly. Um, so, yeah, so Rafi's feeling very guilty about Elnor, and that's obviously a thread that's that's running through. Um, when Picard and Tallinn are talking about Rene, I do like the fact that they discuss the fact that she's got depression, and, you know, they touch on this and they're touching it very sensitively. And Picard says, you know, depression can be really debilitating, which it isn't something we should need to say. But they don't put a big neon sign on it and make a big hoo-ha. And, but it's, it's just nice for as someone who suffers from depression and anxiety you know, to have that acknowledged that it is a serious condition and it can affect people. And Picard seems genuinely concerned, like, oh, well, you know, that that might affect her going on this mission. And I just think that's great how how efficiently and sensitively it's it's handled. And that's where I we get into Q and blah, blah, blah. That, that's my feeling is it's another one of these things whereby uh, things which matter to Patrick Stewart have been mm. fed into the show in a wonderful way, in a way which seems... T- I think Patrick Stewart probably now, his um, political ideology, I'm not saying that it was disparate from Star Trek before, but I think older Patrick Stewart, mm. his uh, politics probably line up perfectly with Star Trek in a way they didn't even back then. Uh, uh, I think it's just great. And this does seem like, because I've heard him talk about uh, mental health issues yeah, yeah. before as well. Perfect. And I'm wondering if this is going to tie into like these flashbacks we keep getting of Picard's youth and whether this is going to lead to a, a heart-to-heart between Picard and René, you know, that he'll be able to relate to a... Um, apart from the fact that the whatever familial relationship they are, there might be some Ooh. connection there that he's had a trauma in his youth that he's not necessarily addressed. And how about when the Norsecan stabbed him, uh, you know, resulting in getting an artificial organ? Then it could be a heart to heart about his artificial. Ah, uh, good one, good one. Yep. Does he still have an artificial heart? So the... Well, all of him's oh, artificial, now an artificial, now. artificial Yeah, he's, he's definitely got an artificial heart. It's just got an artificial everything yeah, else. Yeah, but is it an artificial, artificial heart? Or just an that, artificial oh, heart? yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, when they made the golem into him, did it make did it make a golem version of a synthetic heart? Or did they just go, should we put him a normal heart in? That's a very good point, Elliot. Well, isn't he? He's cybernetic now, yeah? Yeah. So I yeah. like the idea that they made everything else cybernetic and they actually got a real heart to replace that, just as the, you know... That would be cool universe. as well. <laughs> yeah. Also, it, it, it gets us back to Rios's line. It's like, uh, and plus, like, uh, we're led by this captain who's um, partly a robot. People have explained it to me. Still doesn't make any sense to me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very good, Rios. <laughs> Speaking for the audience to some extent, perhaps. Yes, again, they, they seem to even be taking the piss out of things they yeah, realised they did wrong in the first season. I don't know how many people from the first season behind the scenes actually have survived, but they seem very open for taking the piss out they of do, the steps that, that the audience fine. certainly perceived they made. Um, Picard 
takes a little bit too long to go, I need to see that therapist. That's not a therapist, it's Q. It's like, yeah, I could tell as soon as I heard him doing the silly voice, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, and I love that yeah, it voice. Was, uh, it's very much um, that what we imagine from Sigmund Freud. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> what he's doing. And it's kind of like... Okay, uh, John, we're going to give you a really serious, really kind of uh, great, like maybe the ultimate version of Q. We're going to give you, you're going to be able to really kind of gain some acting kind of pathos. Will I still be able to do silly voices? Well, of course. <laughs> Episode yeah, that's six what you or want, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> silly voice. Get it written into episode five. Hey, we gave one to Patrick last season. It's your turn. Yeah. I do like <laughs> as well, like how sort of, initially outraged Picard is that he's like, oh, that's private. You shouldn't be watching her therapy sessions. Even though it's really important to saving the rest of the future timeline, Picard's still the kind of guy who'd be like, yeah, I'm still pissed off that you did it that way. Yeah. But, yeah. So I like that. Um, so, yeah, we meet Adam Sung and Corey. So Issa Bionez is going for the record of different Star Trek characters. She's probably still got a way to go to catch Brent Spiner, but she's getting there. And we find out that, yeah, he's doing genetic experiments on ex-soldiers, which he makes that distinction. They go, you're doing it on soldiers. And he goes, ex-soldiers. Oh, well, that's all right then. Did you know it's <laughs> his great, 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 great. Yes, indeed. There's a, a Rajenko there. So yeah. <laughs> Also, we chuck in the fact that uh, they've got the idea of... Um, how the military is treated in America once they stop being soldiers. Yes, you know, it's yeah. like there, there is a huge problem with. Uh, they mentioned the VA, I think, um, yeah. which veterans, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, veteran army. Uh, they mentioned that I think in a previous episode as well. So again, they really are hitting so many social oh, yeah, issues the, in the best keeping with Star Trek for the, you right wingers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we dealt with you last week. Last week we talked about yeah. the right wingers. This week we talked about Fast and Furious. What's going to happen next week? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was a nice little Easter egg for oh, what's yeah, great the granddad. Yeah, the Rajenko yeah. guy being there is great. And it's one of them, again, it's not... It's, it's not it, in your face. It, no, it's on the, his, his card the big and that's fans, it. It's there and you yeah. notice these things. So brilliant. And Leah Thompson in that scene as well, obviously she directed yeah. the previous two episodes. So. And she's also a mime that plays yeah. mum from Back to the Future. And yeah. I mean, so and plus also Caroline. credentials already. And plus, I, th I think everyone would be interested that she was also Caroline in Caroline in the City and the woman in Howard the Duck. I, oh, I, I, Howard yeah, the Duck. Yeah, I think a few people might have seen Star Trek or might have seen Back to the Future, but I think she's mostly remembered yeah. for Caroline in the City, the 80s online so. comedy. I've just thought maybe this is going to be the twist and it's that Q's actually given, like, Biff the, the almanac and that's how... <laughs> <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be brilliant if Biff was the villain of all of this. Or, or if Q steps back and goes, have you met my other colleague from another planet? He steps back, there's an egg cracking. Howard the Duck cameo. Oh, Howard the Duck could be any just some quack foo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was... It's, I'm sorry, right? I know it, everyone hates Howard the Duck, but they shouldn't. Howard the Duck's great fun. I love it. I, mean, I like, love a bit I of like it. The effects haven't erotica. aged well. No, the effects haven't aged well. But... Well, it's a way to what's not to love about the last seducing a duck? I was going to say, <laughs> exactly you've got Mia Thompson trying to get it on with Howard the Duck. Okay, she's mocking him, but I don't know that makes it better. Mm, I'm no, not there was sure. no trying about it. Yeah, and then you had um, the Dark Overlord who. Yeah, I, I'm aware that he's played by noted sex offender um, Jeffrey Jones, so I'm not condoning the actor or anything he's done in his personal life, but the performance is hilarious. Where they're in that diner and he's just like, I no longer need human food. <laughs> and it, oh, it's brilliant stuff. Anyway. So it sounds like he was doing, unfortunately, a little bit of method acting. Oh, unfortunately so, yes. Uh, but I just thought I'd better put that out there so we don't get added and people say, oh, you talked about so and so. Yep. Um, yes, so, yes, yeah, so we get that. So, oh, that's what I was going to talk about, the trend. So, Leah Thompson directs episodes three and four, appears in episode yeah. five. Jonathan Frakes is directing five and six, so maybe Riker will be in seven. You never know. We have seen pictures of Thaddeus Riker, and he looked a lot like him. There you go, exactly. Yeah, that's the point. He could turn up. Um, probably, yeah, yeah, he'd probably be still alive, like he was a young man in that picture, I think. Yeah. 
And they do mention, like she she says, oh, any breaking of the so-and-so treaty, I think she's Shenzhen treaty, and I've Googled this, and it, it isn't a real treaty, uh, but there's nothing in uh, established Star Trek canon that this is a reference to. So my headcanon is that whatever the Shenzhen Treaty is, is something that was put in place after the Eugenics Wars, which, as we know, happened in secret in the mid-90s. And yeah. I imagine that that's what she's referencing, is whatever outlawed genetic experimentation following that. Uh, but we've as yet to get an official definition of what that is within Star Trek law. I was expecting it was going to be one of them where it's a lovely little callback again and you're going to go, ah, but apparently not. Um, yeah, and then we get that brilliant scene we've talked about with Q and Adam Soong. Oh, and they both get it's to be brilliant really when he sinister. asks him who you are. And Q, actually, and I think this is the first time Q's ever answered that, honestly. And he goes, and the ultimate evolution of Stardust. Yeah, I'm a butterfly's flapping wing. Mm. I am death. <laughs> I'm a destroyer of worlds. Yeah, so his ego from Sanskrit, still... I believe, from uh, Shiva, the god destroyer of worlds. Yeah, uh, yeah. lovely. But I Again. just thought it was. I thought you've actually probably actually described yourself for the yeah. first time ever on in Star Trek. Honestly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, we forgot to say that the reason he meets him is because he's left his, like, calling card. Now, I'm, hey. re I'm reliably told that if you ring that number, something happens, but I don't know because we don't yeah. live in America. So. Um, from what I understand, he answers it and goes, I knew you were going to call. Oh, very good. <laughs> when you said something happened, I'd be worried that you get abducted by Q or something, you know. That'd be all right. I'm... Yeah, from what I understand it, it answers and it's a voicemail from John DeLace doing Q. It's, uh, I knew you were going to call. It's like that time when, um, as part of the publicity for Minority Report, the, whichever phone company it was that was, like, sponsoring the film, so let's say it was O2 Probably or something. AT&T. AT&T, we'll say that. They left a voicemail on all of their customers with Tom Cruise saying, where is my minority report and, like, heavy breathing and stuff. <laughs> and so Tom Cruise got something like 50,000 reports for making funny phone calls or something because of it. <laughs> Nobody knew that it was, like, viral marketing. Um, <laughs> so they didn't do that again. But I'm anyway. going to say, though, when, when we talked about Q going back and forth and we've got, like, uh, such a wonderful, serious take on Q, he's managed to do one funny voice. I do want one scene of him going absolutely batshit with, with Picard. I don't know where they're going to fit it in because it seems like we're going towards a very serious mm. ending to this series, which will probably arc back to the first events we saw, as, as Elliot said uh, quite a lot. But I just want one series where he and Picard, they just get a really, like, go off the chain... Act like 80s Q. I want yeah, a bit of 80s Q, just want, for one scene, one, yeah. one episode. I want more costumes. I don't feel Mariachi like band. He's, well, he, it's meant to be in season three as well. So, yeah, like, I know. How are we going to get a conclusion to all this story? I think. Well, maybe we you can quote this, but it leads into a greater mystery. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll get a conclusion to the time travel story, but the next season might be about living with the consequences of whatever the denouement of this season is. Um, Very good use of denouement. Thank you, thank you. Well, you know, I'm, I did study English for many years. And um, look how far it's got me. Um, anyway. We're in English, isn't denouement? Another language, at least. Ah, uh, yes, but we, we appropriated it as we English did did many things over I, the I, years. I, I don't like to think the English would ever appropriate anything. No. Have you been to the British Museum? I'm pretty sure it's all well, good. Well, you know, as George W. Bush said, you know, the French have no word for entrepreneur. So. I'm just saying, don't ask the British Museum for receipts. Other than no. that, it's fine. <laughs> so, Q gives Soong this serum, which he gives to his daughter, which means that she can go out in the sun. And I think there's a telling line here where she says, was my mother a good swimmer? Like, I don't think you had a mother, love. I think you were made in a test tube, and I think you don't know yeah. that yet. 
but I don't think you're his biological daughter. That's just what I'm going with. I think she's being created rather than... And there is a look on his face when she says it and he sort of hesitates and then he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, she swam like a duck. Like, I just to see her, her face melt like that. I mean, like in the original series, or the, sorry, Next Generation, first time we saw Q, that would just been a like melty face prosthetic. Yeah, yeah, not very was, kind yeah. of convincing. And it would be like, oh, no. And they would have been like acting to let you know that they're alive. She was properly fucked up. It was just so good. Like, this is the darkness of Q that they, I, I feel like even in the original series, they wanted to show it, but mm. couldn't do. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, he, he does. He's using her as a pawn to get yeah. soon to he's do a, what he he's wants a killer, But it's only going to last half an hour and I'm not going to tell you that. Yeah, exactly. But then, so why does he need soon? I, I presume we'll find out next well, week. I mean, well, he is... does say, like, he does go to him. Have you heard of um, Picard? Rene yeah. Picard. So there's obviously something coming up. Maybe well, I it's... think for me. Sorry, go on, Jim. No, no, you go. No, all I was going to say was just I, I, I think it would make it even more powerful if he did have one of these crazy scenes where he magics up a mariachi band. When you're seeing that, when you've got the thought in the back of your head of some girl's face melting, mm. like just being run away, nearly dead. It, it makes it even more psycho when he's being funny. It'll sort of get, yeah, it'll cross into that line like in the... Um, the Joker. Yeah, the Joker or the, the recent film of Stephen King's It where you've got the, the clown dancing and like a puppet show going on but he's actually about to murder loads of children. So, yeah, we'll sort of... Cross, that would be interesting. Um, maybe like in, his backup plan is, right, if I can trigger her anxiety to make a pull out of the mission I'll get some to inject her with something I don't know yeah, if he sort... but if he can make this cure then why don't he just do it I, yeah you know we're gonna find out aren't we but I wonder though if this is his revenge on Picard if you like is he also taking revenge on Data to some extent by going after one of his ancestors as well but I don't know, but then Data was sort of his mate, wasn't he, as much as any of them were. But I wonder if the reason maybe why he has to influence people to do it as opposed to doing it himself, like when he was trying to go, <coughs> ah, you're losing confidence, and he was about to do his clicky thing, and it didn't work. He was trying to influence her as opposed to doing anything directly himself. So I'm wondering if that's part of, like, you know, maybe it's him versus a continuum. For whatever yeah, reason, maybe. he's got to do it under the radar a bit more. yeah. Yeah, maybe it's kind of thing of, okay, you, you can fuck up the timeline, but if they do it themselves, even if you've given them a bit yeah. of a... Or a he can maybe push. give plausible deniability. Maybe he's under a cloak being... Yeah, there. he's sort of become like Iago, hasn't he? That he's just sort of there pulling the strings and nudging people rather than outright You say you've anything. got an English uh, degree. <laughs> Pulling out a uh, fellow now. I'm loving this. I'm loving this tonight. References. Yeah, that, that, that's all I know. That's the, that's the, I meant the parrot <laughs> off Aladdin, you know, I didn't mean. Um, anyway, so, yeah. So then we've had all this stuff. And then we do a bit of a gear shift, really, because we turn into a heist movie for the last 10 minutes and presumably. Well, well we've had the stuff with. We completely skipped over what the Borg Queen. Yeah, stuck. well, I was coming to that. I thought we'd deal with that all together yeah. because it's we get one version of events and then... Well, we don't get anything that... Yeah, we, we get one version where it looks like Gerati's just shot the Borg Queen. Which, obviously, there was more to it. Yeah. It does yeah, lead but... to that good comedy scene, though, where Picard's going, oh, my crew are the most trustworthy, and they're just dragging this dead cop out from under... <laughs> That was pretty nice. That was pretty nice. Go on, Elliot. Sorry. No, I just thought it was really clever of the Borg Queen. How mm. she's got into the computer to connect her to get the police there. She needs to summon someone. Yeah. And she used Elnor's voice. Was Is the she... one that hadn't locked her out from using. I thought it was Rios's voice that she oh, used. Rios, yeah. wasn't it? Elnor. I thought it was Rios because he was the only one who had authority on that ship because it used to be his. I thought oh, that. But yeah, if it's Elnor's, that does work because 
Yeah, I certainly got Rios, Rios myself. I yeah, because it looks like they locked out lots of voices because they've locked Picard's voice out. Oh, I just assumed that... they've obviously they've obviously thought of it, the Queen doing this. Oh, I thought it was a different timeline. So the idea was that this was Rios's ship in this timeline. That's... So no I, one else. I, was... I took it that um, they'd gone through and been locking her out for mimicking voices. Mm. Well, again, yeah, it could work either way. I mean, I I thought like. Like you did, Squeed, that it it was because this is Rios's ship. Uh, but uh, then okay. surely General Picard could override anything. Yeah, you'd think. But but again, like the version of uh, Rios we've seen from season one, which I take it this version of him's closer to, was a more of a roguish character. Like you know, maybe he had lockouts to stop stuff uh, from fucking with the ship. You know, I I'd believe of that character we saw originally. Oh, okay, why well, well, haven't we seen? I just thought it was clever how she called the police there. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Why haven't we seen evil fascist Rios holograms? I think we need them. I Actually, think I would enjoy I that. think it's probably something to do with... I think he's just he's not probably, got he probably ha- He probably can't get away with that because he's actually part of the Confederates. Yeah, that's true. Like, in yeah. this reality. I'm also guessing they went and was like, oh, that'd be fun. We've got a million storylines. They're yeah, all working true. really well. Let's not push it now. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need evil fascist. Why are you trying to put evil fascist holograms into everything? Yeah, we spent so long weaving this intricate plot. Oh, yeah, let's just chuck in some evil fascist holograms. Yeah, that's going to be easy just to chuck into this. Right. Every time we write I just assume that he, could, that he maybe had a bit of a, an actual crew because he's part of the company. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the real yeah, answer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, I will be disappointed if on a mood board they had somewhere in the studio they hadn't written up fascist holograms and then gone oh we'd love to we just can't fit it in with everything else yeah it's just too much going on season three season three the evil fascist hologram season <laughs> and yeah the kids tv show gem and the evil fascist holograms uh, hey look you you could get uh, like you could get at least one episode in a future season just out of rails and his hologram pals no definitely yeah uh, again this is what that anthology series that alex kurtzman's talked about is for random shit like this um yeah so back to Girati and the bog queen then yeah we we find out through flashbacks then that she looks like she got borgified, doesn't it? And by the way, I don't was, was think there she's been borgified in the normal Ooh, way. Not. I don't. She's not being assimilated, mm. and I do. And I think it's because she's killed the queen. Mm-hmm. She's she's shotgun. She's blown the queen away, and I think the queen's transferred her consciousness to her. Yeah, as opposed to sending nan- nanobots to. Just make right into a quake, into a bog. Mm. She's act, she's had to transfer consciousness. Yeah. And part of being the queen is you can't completely take over them. You need that. You, you need them as well. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It, I, it's a different form of assimilation. Yeah. It's not like the queen, the queen is there with her in her head. Yeah. It, it's almost like implanting yourself as a. Uh, inf- a you, you know what? It's really funny. I happen to be watching the Ergo version of the uh, episode of Stargate. There's this episode oh, yeah. where this little guy gets planted into their minds, into all of SG-1's minds, and he can influence them, but he can't. He isn't complete control. But like he makes uh, Carter pour coffee over her hand when she's getting through close to a breakthrough to stop him. Uh, played by Dom DeLuise, who was in uh, yeah. Cannonball Run. Oh, so yeah. So fucking funny. If you've ever, if you've never watched any Stargate, it's worth oh, just checking out that episode. It's so hilarious. Times. Yeah, me I too. But that episode is one of the best. And it, it Dom is, DeLuise yeah. was just the funniest guy. And um, <coughs> yeah, that's my guess. It's more like that, that she's an influence in her head, but not in complete control. Yeah, so she laps in concentration, she can take over kind of thing. And visually, it's presented very much like uh, in Battlestar Galactica, where you have number six in, in Baltar's head. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Jim, did you not think my Stargate SG-1 series two reference wasn't clear enough for everyone. You think some people might have seen uh, your one a bit well, more? Well, I didn't know that's how it was presented visually in your version. I've not seen it. <laughs> no, Battlestar Galactica, 
Probably seen by a few more people, I'll be no, honest. I don't think so. No, I mean, no, SG1 actually, was... I think yeah, yeah, it had, like, ten seasons, whereas Battlestar only got four. I mean, yeah, but I think it was more by choice. But anyway, that's another story. Anyway, yeah. That's for once we've finished the Fast and Furious podcast, we'll do we'll do Battlestar Galactica and Dom DeLuise films. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, can I just check? Like, anyone fooled even for a second that that was the Boar Queen done? No, no. no, uh, no, so no. I, I am happy that the doing admit, something I with she her. She was just going to assimilate the cop into a drone. Yeah, I did. And I thought we might have got a bit of a sort of horror movie style thing with the bog cop chasing Girati around yeah. the ship, but but I think maybe we... a suicide of um, of uh, first contact. Yeah, that sort of thing. But I, I think what we're doing is probably going to be much more interesting. So, and I think it ties into a lot of these fan I, theories. I think, where... it tie, I think it ties into episode one. There you go. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That... Which I've been, we have been. Saying, I've, oh, I have been saying. I think the Borg Queen was going to be Girati in episode. One. Yeah, the the concealed Borg Queen. Yeah, yes, which would explain why she was doing seemed to be doing some good amongst the male. Yes, yeah. So I, I think that unless the wrong footiness, which they may well be, it does look like that's that's the way we're going. Yeah, um, it also seemed pretty sensible to do the whole idea that. You know, in a series which has done so much to surprise us, to give us a moment where, again, let's face it, no one was fooled that the ball cream was completely yeah. done. It's almost like, look, I'll give you this one, guys. We're not going to make you feel completely stupid. Yeah, like, let, let, the audience, yeah let the <laughs> yeah. audience have a little bit of a win. To... Yeah, exactly. It kind of seems respectful <laughs> in that way because I think these writers could run circles around us. Oh, I genuinely think no there's question. humility in the writing. Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, it, as I said sort of at the beginning, we, the way we're doing these cliffhangers is we're, we're starting a new thread when there's only a little bit of the episode left to go and then we're dropping it there mid-action. Yeah. And that creates... It, it's a different kind of cliffhanger. It's not your Mr. Warfire cliffhanger, but it, it does make you go, what, is that it? Uh, and... yeah. And I think this sort of cliffhanger's fine if you get the resolution within a week, but this would be very naughty as an end of season cliffhanger. Um, but yeah, it, as it stands, yeah, they, these are really good, and I think yeah, we're gonna episode. Uh, it's a ser- serialization. It's ten, ten episode long story, and they're managing to put. A hook there to bring you yeah. back for the next episode every week. Absolutely, and I know one more. I know one you're a fan of, Jim, which you watched during lockdown back was 24. Oh. And, I mean, if anything, I mean, a great series. But let's face it, some of their cliffhangers were very large events on the hour. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. hour. Yeah. Like, that seemed a bit somehow implausible, maybe. But I still yeah, love it. But if you were Jack Bauer, the, the, you'd have been twitching at five to the hour because something awful always <laughs> yeah, exactly. happened. And with this, obviously, you're not tied down with every episode being out. But also, it just seems like... The cliffhangers are always really dramatic to us, but they're not necessarily universe ending every time. No, and this one, yeah. this one, the the rest of the crew have no idea of what's going on in Girati's head. They think the plan's going ahead perfectly at this point. They wanted Girati to they, get but captured. But the queen even goes, when she puts her arm around Girati and she goes, that's very clever getting yourself yeah, invested. Yeah, exactly. So yourself in place. The cliffhanger really is that we've got a bit of information that we didn't have earlier in the episode. Um, yeah. And I think next week we're going to pick up with the rest of this heist, which I always like a good... I know it's not literally a heist, but I always like it where you have the, the planning scene where they go, right, there's cameras here, here and here, and what we've got to do is this, this and this. And well, then DS9 did that, didn't it? DS9 did DS9 did the did the heist movie. Yeah, and Voyager did it with um, Dark Frontier. That's we're gonna board a bog ship, we're gonna do this, that, and the other. And yeah, but like DS9 literally went through the oh, entire yeah, they, thing. They literally did it. <laughs> it's almost like, 11, again, yeah. Great example though, because DS9, still a great episode, still very enjoyable, but they went for the comedy with that. With this, yeah. Like a serious action all the way through. It's never 
they do do wonderful comic moments, but it's never a wink at the camera to what's happening in the action. The thing that's happening serious, if we have a little bit of fun on the way, that's something funny which happens within that. But it's just, yeah, there's no wink at what we're doing. It's all serious. We're taking Star Trek really seriously. Yeah, I think this is leading to a serious chat between Picard and Rene. I think it's going to be, she's going to pull out and he's going to have to talk to her and say, you know, I went through some things when I was young and I think that's how we're going to bring that back in. And I'm really annoyed because I've seen the trailer for this week's. Ah, and I won't right. say anything about it. Keep that um, to yourself. All then. I'm going to say is if something that happens is left till the end as the cliffhanger, I will be really pissed off. I want it out of <laughs> the way really quick. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, dealt with in the episode. Tune in next week then to find out if Elliot is indeed really pissed off if they've done that <laughs> at the end of the episode. That's our cliffhanger. Will that Elliot be pissed off? <laughs> Will James watch the Fast and Furious movies again? Will Squee remember what the fuck he was trying to say halfway through the episode? Tune in next week. Yeah, all these things and more. Um, dun, 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 dun. Anything else on next gen trailers? Anything else on this one then before we finish up? I think we've pretty much covered it yeah. all, haven't we? It's yeah. another really strong episode. It is. It's like yeah. I say, this is probably the weakest episode of the season, but it's really good Star Trek. It yeah. doesn't take, mean it's a bad episode. Not at all. It's just that the entire series is that good that you have to, if you're stacking them in an order. Well, this is the thing. I mean, the, the, the thing with the long when you're doing a long 10-episode story, is you do need peaks and troughs. That's the way drama works. Yeah. So you're bound Let to Let me get... just give us a loop while you're saying that to the 10-episode series. Like, I love the fact that TV now... It used to be in, in uh, the UK, we'd have six-episode series. In the US, it would be 24. And we've realised over the years, about 10 or 13's just mm -hmm. right. Like, that you can get yeah. to a long-form story, I, I you really explore wrong... the characters, but you're not dragging out going... Oh, yeah, we've got another five episodes. We better put some filler yeah. in there. Yeah. I saw one on one of the forums today, and someone was winching, going, Oh, I'm fed up with this just 10 episodes. When can we have proper ep seasons back with 26 episodes? It's like, do you realize how much crap you actually had in there? Yeah, I mean, do you realize that's how you get Shades of Grey? Yeah, even in the best seasons of TNG, Voyager, DS9, you'd be lucky to get three quarters of them. Of a yeah. really good, you know, of a decent standard. You'd I make... think DS9 came close a yes. couple of times. But even that had a couple of stinkers yeah. in every season, you know. Sorry, sorry, you, you, you want 24 episodes or 26 episodes? Um, I'm just going to put Code of Honor in our VCR here we just hooked up for you. Yeah. Let's see if you agree after watching this shit show. What about that episode where Quark has a sex change? Like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm it, kind of in for that actually. <laughs> it's not a good episode. <laughs> it's uh, anyway, but yeah, the I mean the problem though is that when you have a ten episode season and you still have crap episodes, that's when the model backfires. But yeah, in, <laughs> in theory, I agree in, with you. Yeah. So and this is and this is doing it how it should be. Yes, it is so far. Fingers crossed. We don't drop the ball. Uh, Imagine, but, like, even with 10 episodes, you're writing a 10-hour movie, effectively. Mm -hmm. And yeah. to get this consistent. Yeah, ah. absolutely. Um, so anyway, I think we'll we'll wrap it up there, then we'll come back next week, see what happens in the next episode. In the meantime, you can come and join us on Facebook. You can tweet us at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. You can check out Elliot's latest model videos, working on an X-Wing fighter at the minute. So a bit out of the yeah. Star Trek wheelhouse, but you know what? You it's can, still sci-fi. You can like Star Trek and Star Wars. I'm putting it out there. Yeah, I, my latest one, I'll show you how to, if you're doing the 172 scale, I'll show you how to scratch build the guns so you can put lights in the end so it looks like the firing. Which, there you go. And uh, you are the only video on YouTube, are you not, that shows people how to do that? Yeah, I think so. There so. We go. I'm the only one I've been... I looked, when I wanted to do it, I looked on YouTube and I couldn't find one. So now there is so. one. So there you go. Public <laughs> service. And Dr. Squee, tell us what's going on with the Dr. Squee show. 
well, as this goes on video, it's tomorrow. It's Tuesday, every Tuesday, six to late. And tomorrow I've got uh, Amina Warner, who is the head of uh, re clinical research at Allergies UK. I've probably got a job title incorrect, but she was really fascinating. She talks to us all about uh, how climate change is linked to uh, allergies, especially hay fever we talk about quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And I've also got uh, my main man, Matt Lees, who's one of my fellow DJs on SW20 Radio, also a great musician who's got a couple albums out. And uh, he talks about his music and uh, heading back uh, on the road after a prolonged absence due to, I think, something happened over the last couple of years. I yeah, I read yeah. something in the paper. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to go to a 40 plus one. Anniversary Gina, Gina. Uh, gig this year because they couldn't do it last <laughs> yeah. year. The 40th anniversary. And the most fun thing is tomorrow I did as the musical theme, given that we've had like all this crazy weather, just like it can be sunny in the morning, snowing by the afternoon. So I made weather the theme of the week for, for the show. Ah. And I actually get to play in the most appropriate song ever to the allergy, um, like the Amina, who uh, is from Allergies UK. I got to play going into that interview because I may have already selected the track. The pollen suffer sorry, the pop singer's fear of the pollen count by uh, the Divine Comedy. <laughs> Never before has that track been used so appropriately. Like you know. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, check that out. And um, <laughs> thanks for check if I can talk. Thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Bye bye. L L A P.